Hey guys, before we dive into the show, I wanted to tell you about my new trailer music toolkit, which is 100% free and you can download it right now over at richardprin.com forward slash toolkit. This toolkit contains... Firstly, my perfect trailer cue blueprint. It also contains a handful of one-shot samples, like huge trailer hits, pings, plucks, brahms, booms, transitions, and downers. Perfect for beginners, pros, and everything in between. Okay, let's get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome to session number three of the Trailer Music Composers podcast. Let's dive in. One man... One microphone and a love of those cute little marzipan treats shaped like fruit. Welcome to the Trailer Music Composers Podcast. Hey guys, in today's episode of the Trailer Music Composers Podcast, I'm going to be talking about the five rules of trailer music. Now, obviously, if I say these are the definitive rules of trailer music, I'm going to get a few trailer music composers approaching me being like, uh, Richard, there is no rule book for trailer music. And you're right, there is no rule book. R- r- rule book. So I'm going, to, I'm going to put a caveat here and be like, okay, guys, calm down. I'm not just calling these definitive rules. These are guidelines to be the best you can be at writing trailer music. So, yeah, they're rules. So... <clears throat> The reason I'm I'm stating these rules to you is because I kind of think that more composers need to be more aware of what you're doing when you write trailer music. Uh, And the first, you know, the first big thing is that the trailer music is not just epic music. Trailer music is music that is featured on film trailers. Yeah, duh, I know. Uh, Some people confuse the two. Uh, epic music is a whole subgenre in and of itself. It's not just trailer music. It is obviously featured hugely on trailers for those huge cinematic uh, Marvel DC universe type things. Uh, but there is a whole bunch of worlds of trailer music out there. There's you know, there's your Stomp Swagger drums. There's your comedy pizzicatos. There is your uh, horror sound beds there is your thriller this i mean whatever genre of film you're working in you're going to then encounter a fellow genre of music that matches those films i mean even pop has its place in trailer music so i don't mean that like even pop the dirty cousin of good music because you know i love a bit of cheesy pop what i want to do here is clarify just before we continue why when i talk about trailer music i'm not talking about epic music i'm including epic music when i say trailer music now that's a really important distinction to learn so when people come over to me and come to the trailer music school and they say hey you know i want to learn how to write trailer music now let's be sure you can write any type of music to go on a trailer you just have to be very sure that you understand these five guidelines these five rules i'm going to give you because these five rules transcend all of the genres of music that fit on trailers and that go on trailers and the successful tracks that are placed on trailers usually tick all of the five boxes so let's continue with these five rules now they're in no particular order just in case you're wondering Uh, so rule number one uh, the first one is to mimic the acts of a film when you're writing music for a film trailer. Now, I appreciate this. 
that some types of music doesn't go at parts of the, you know, some parts of the trailer because some parts of music doesn't fit act one, you know, speedcore metal doesn't fit the act one feel. Um, so I appreciate that. That's why when you, when you are writing your speedcore metal trailer cue, you need to be aware that within that speedcore metal track, there may be scope for you to mimic the three acts of a trailer cue. Now, any of you who've done any of my courses, you will already know what the three acts are. Any of you who've studied any kind of screenwriting or film um, stuff will know, <laughs> that's my technical speaker coming out here, will know what I'm talking about when I say about the three acts of a film. And the three acts of a film generally are act one, introducing the characters and the world and the scenes, uh, you know, and the whole feeling of the film. Act two, that's when the problems arise. And act three is the climax and resolution. Now, usually in trailer music, you don't offer the resolution. So you're kind of climaxing. Uh, not like that. Your, your music is climaxing at the end of act three, uh, usually with a sense of tension. So that's, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get some film buffs reminding me of the proper de definitions, but that's generally it. Act one, create the mood and introduce characters and themes, etc. Act two, problems start arising. So you generally introduce pace or introduce weight or size or whatever it is. Uh, something new happens in act two. And act three, that's when you're, you know, the fanfares start coming out, the big brass, the big strings, the uh, the jazz band, the full, the, the kind of like, uh, the full mood of the film is revealed in act three. So you need to make sure that your track mimics those acts. So say, for instance, I was writing a purely drum-oriented track for trailers, which I have done, and I do. Uh, I don't just write, like, a, a track, a drum track that's just a massive fat beat with loads of variations of fills that last for two minutes. I make sure that it has three distinct steps in it. An introduction, where I introduce smaller things. There will be an there'll be a, a whisper of size. So for instance, I might just have a a clap going on in the background, or in the foreground, sorry, but in the background there might be like a just to give it a bit more scale, just to kind of hint at something bigger in the narrative. Because often those the trailers that use that type of drum track, i.e. like uh, comedy action, you start off with two characters or one character, or you start off in the small. You start off in the details of the of the story, uh, you know, introduce your character when I say details. So small, something small. So small instruments fit that. And then when Act Two comes in, you know, you bring in a drum beat, which is like, hey, the swagger started. The action, the actual narrative of the film has kicked off. So your cue has really kicked off into Act Through Act Two, and you build that and you build that, and then in Act Three. You then develop your ideas in Act 2 and just give them a bit more weight, a bit, bit more scale, a bit more size. You know, that, that either means bringing in the big boys, the big drums, or uh, bringing in some reverb that gives the cue a bit more space, uh, or mixing it so that the mix, so that your instruments spread out. Whatever technique you have to bring a little bit more breadth breadth to the track because that is we you know act three is like okay this is in full swing now the one thing to, to bear in mind here those drum tracks that i have written and that do get written by lots of composers generally don't get used for act three 
they generally only go on Act 1 and Act 2. Uh, and if they do all go on Act 3, they're usually then even more trailerized, you know, in a stylistic manner. You know, someone will bring in some more guitars, some bigger horns, you know, gotta love a massive horn on the end there, haven't you? So bear that in mind when you're writing your track. Right now, on to the uh, second one. Now, this is quite similar, um, but it does stand in uh, on itself on its own. Uh, it is the idea that with your music, you need to create sonic worlds. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to use the word soundscape specifically here because soundscape has a connotation. Um, what I'm meaning here is your track when it starts and when it goes through needs to feel like when you close your eyes, you're in a new world. You know, and that's what the wonderful thing about epic music, you know, I was talking about epic music earlier, is that the way it's written is it's so linked to kind of huge universal narratives. And when I say universal narratives, I mean narratives that happen within the outer universe, you know, space, sci-fi action, that within that music is ingrained new sonic worlds. But you need to do that with your horror cues. You need to do that with your thriller cues. You need to do that with your comedy cues. You need to bring in sonic worlds. And what I mean by that is thinking about how you're painting a visual picture with your sounds. What sounds are you putting in the foreground? What sounds are you putting in the background? What sounds are happening on the left and on the right and up up top and down below? Every musical decision you make paints a picture. And that's what you're trying. That's what is so wonderful about trailer music is that is the marriage of your visual, uh, your soundscape that you've created, your sonic landscape, and how that then matches up with the placements that you get with it. So, for instance, so many of my cues are often for thrillers because the sonic landscape I create with my tracks is dark and tense. More often than not, I'm speaking here about the stuff for Elephant Music, uh, the throat albums, sort of dark, twisted cello stuff. And it then goes on to dark, twisted narratives because I paint that landscape. And my piano tracks that are more of a, you know, historical drama type of thing, believe it or not, get put on to historical dramas because they have this connotation in the way that you write and the way that you produce your music. So when next time you open up a session and you play in a single note, you think to yourself, what is this single note saying about the landscape? And that's when you choose your reverbs. You know, the difference between putting it through a uh, an amp emulated spring reverb and the sonic implications that would have compared to say putting it through a convolution reverb of um uh, a cave the sonic implications and the world you're creating with your with your decisions you make within your sessions <clears throat> make a huge impact so be clear about the landscape you are creating i often like to work in like a a, a mythical kind of way you know uh, imagining giants walking around in the background and strange little fairies flying about and then dark, twisted, drunk goblins playing music. You know, that's probably why lots of my music is out of tune out of time because of these drunk goblins. Um, 
<clears throat> so think about the way you want to visualize your music. You know, some people it's they they will just think, okay, this is this this is going to be for Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, this is rocking Iron Man. Other people will like me create little imaginary worlds. Other times you just think, okay, well, how am I going to mix this as if the band was playing in front of me? That is still doing the same thing, but what you're doing is you're creating a sonic identity that will then be picked up on by whoever chooses your music. A track with a very strong sonic identity stands out a million tons more than a track that doesn't have a sonic identity. It sounds obvious, I know, um, but I do need to iterate this point to you, to reiterate it. Make your tracks within their own sonic world. And this helps when you're writing albums as well. Right, on to number three. Now, this was uh, the hangover from my days working in advertising, but this is trailer music is motion picture advertising. It's still advertising. Your track needs to needs to have a build. It needs to build, 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 build. Now, just in case you didn't get what I'm saying, it needs to build. Okay. So many people forget that even if you're writing in a pop, uh, I keep using pop as an example, even if you're writing in a kind of like 70s prog style, you need to have an element of growth within your track. So that's why notice I say growth rather than build, because sometimes building implies like increasing the amount of notes that are happening within a minute. Uh, it doesn't always necessarily mean that it needs to feel like it's growing, whether that's growing with uh, with breadth of pitch, whether that's growing in dynamics, whether that's growing in frequency of notes, whether that's growing in complexity, whether that's growing in orchestration, whether that's growing in texture, whether that's growing in timbre, whether it's growing in silence. How is your track building? And this will keep coming back to you. Can you make your track feel like it's developing, even though your idea is essentially a four chord sequence with a four note melody? How can you make that feel like it's growing, like it's building? Because that's what all the trailers are trying to do is they're trying to sell this story and the stories are building to a climax. And that is act three. The climax is act three. And then the ultimate climax of the trailer is boom, boom come and see this movie. It's amazing. It's as amazing as this music, if not more amazing. So make sure your tracks have build uh, and have growth. Think about how you're writing and how each time you reiterate a chord sequence, how is it growing? How is it building upon what was before? And it's really important. It's often, often overlooked, especially if you're like me and you absolutely love loops, love loops. You know, I sketch out tracks using loops all the time. And I don't mean other people's loops. I mean, I write an idea and then just loop it till the end of the, till the end of the track. So that's why the way I write is often layering and textural because I rely so much on looping ideas, but I know how to then grow my ideas. How can you grow your ideas? Right. On to number four. Now, number four, this is like, this is one of those annoying things that people say to you. Uh, it's kind of like when I used to write in advertising, you know, the, the type of feedback you get from working in traditional uh, product advertising 
with the feedback you get from the advertising companies and the clients, it's always just so irritating, you know, it's always so inane and almost useless, you know, you know, like just because they feel like they're trying to give you feedback on something to give you feedback rather than actually being critical about what you're writing and how you can improve it. So it's kind of like, you know, oh, you know what, your track just feels a bit too orange for me. Can you make it slightly more pink? Uh, okay, that's interesting. Um, so the thing here is your track needs to have impact. And yes, it is annoying when I say that, because how on earth do you make a piece of music have impact? And the thing you need to do is ask yourself a few questions. Now, when I've listened to a piece of music I like, why have I liked it? And I can guarantee you because it has impacted you in some way. So for a good example being, I'm a big fan of Tool. Um, and they're, uh, specifically their album Lateralis. Uh, and the opening track of that, that album, is immense. It has such impact because of the build into the idea. Now, obviously, you know, Tool are incredibly good at creating impact with their riffs because their riffs are phenomenal and their writing is phenomenal. You know, making uh, their their drum, bass and guitar sound that big is, you know, is no mean feat, but it has impact. It, before the track even kicks off, you know, it's you, you press play, you hear that lift sound going up and down. And it kicks off and you go, wow, this is awesome. This captured me in the same way that when I heard uh, Buddy Holly by Weezer when I was a kid. Yes, this has impact. There's something about it. And it this kind of goes hand in hand with um, making sure that your cat, your track creates a sonic world and it has character. And the same, like, uh, there's numerous examples of trailers that have created impact. Um, uh, for me, you know, a good example would be the uh, Infinity War trailer with Redshift on it um, by Mark Petrie. Uh, that track has a huge amount of impact, and as did the trailer. So you can listen to those tracks. You say, well, what, what is impactful about this? You know, what is it that captures me? Because usually the tracks aren't complicated, you know. Not, not much of the music we listen to is complicated. It can be boiled down to the same chord sequences, the same melodies, the same rhythms. But there's something that is creating impact. Whether that impact is literally just a physical massive hit that then kind of like hits you in the gut and makes you go to the toilet, or whether it's just this eerie sound, this wonderful eerie sound that captures you because it's created a sonic landscape. It's like it's, it's like someone snapped their fingers and you're there, you know? Like going back to that Tool song, shoo, the lift goes, snap, I'm, I'm there. Like the band are playing in front of me and it is awesome. And that goes with, you know, most of my favourite bands and their favourite, my favourite songs, favourite film scores, you know, Last of the Mohicans, that, uh, that amazing piece of music, The Kiss. That's, I mean, it's that line, that motif, that pattern has so much impact. How are you going to create impact? 
And I can guarantee you that if you follow this little step, you can create more impact. If when you're listening to your track and you're, you're sitting there and you're listening to your track and if it doesn't get you excited, it's not going to create impact. Your track needs to get you excited. You need to listen to it and you need to think, this is awesome. I love this. Even if it's just a spark, even if it's just something where you're like, yes, I love this track. I don't know why, but yes, because that is what people pick up on. That is the impact, is the energy that people put into their music is then coming out the other end. So when people put good energy, an exciting energy and passionate energy into their music, it comes out to the listener. When you put like meh into your music, it comes out to the listener. And that's really important and a really vital thing for you to take note of. Make sure you are writing music that excites you because that will create the impact. And my fifth and final rule, it really, again, it holds on to the same thing, is adding a touch of you. You know, and I don't mean like in some kind of weird toilet paper advert kind of way. I mean like so many times I've written a piece of music because I've listened to so much Hans Zimmer or because I've listened to so much Danny Elfman and I just get inspired by their writing but I'm not putting me into the, into the track. You know, I don't mean literally my DNA. I mean, I'm not taking the idea and I'm not putting my own twist on it. Now, my most successful music has been the music where I have managed to develop my own vocabulary, either sonically, uh, well, not sonic, obviously, obviously sonically, because it's music. Well done, Richard. Uh, I mean either texturally or harmonically or whatever it is, you know, and you can pick out certain trailer composers because they have put themselves into their music. You can hear it. You can hear when, uh, you know, my friend Kieran Birch, you can hear a Kieran Birch track because he has, he has added elements into all his tracks that you can identify straight away. I like to think I have done the same thing with some of my sounds, so that when you hear, when you hear a piece of music, you go, oh yeah, that sounds like Schreiber. Great, in which case, success. Um, but you've got to think, how can I give my, how can I create my own identity? And it comes back to the, to the last point as well. Making sure that you're enjoying what you're doing and just get weird sometimes, guys. Get weird. Try new things. You know, a lot of this throat, the throat albums that I've produced with Elephant Music came from me wanting to have some string players, but not being able to have the time to get them in. So I just grabbed my old cello that I had up in the attic. Um, not because I played the cello, just because I love instruments. Brought it down and I just played this drone. It was like, a, actually, it was more like a boam. It got put on a Sully trailer. Just that did. Um, and then off the back of that, people were saying how much they loved the sound of the organic cello. So I thought, okay, great, let's put some, let's make some music with this cello. And I started making music and I started just playing it, not thinking of other trailers, not thinking of other people's writing. I was just writing as if I was locked up in a cave. You know, you hear stories of so many uh, musicians and bands going off away into their little cabins in the woods and, and writing their next album. Because what they're trying to do is trying to create their own sonic identity within their music. That's, that's, that's the sign of a great composer and a great writer and a great producer that can put their own stamp on things. 
And that's what you need to start practicing too. How can you put a little bit of you into your music? Okay? So just to go over those points, guys, make sure you try and mimic the act of the film. So that's basically act one, act two, act three. Make sure you try and create a sonic world. And make sure that that track feels like it's progressing and it's growing and it's building. And you want to have a track that creates impact by writing something that excites you. And then you want to give it your own little stamp. Your own little, hey, if you like this, this is brought to you by Richard Schreiber. That type of thing. Except without, obviously, a watermark. It's kind of like a watermark, but without actually being a watermark. Now, I I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, And if you did, please subscribe to it and leave a review. And you can go check out the Trailer Music School if you want to learn how to write more trailer music. Or at least to join other like-minded composers, because there's loads of us just chatting away about trailer music stuff and learning from each other. You know, I am by, by no means the font of all knowledge when it comes to trailer music. I am just like you. I, I am very keen to learn how to improve and get better. Um, but I also have a lot of experience that I'm very keen to share. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for taking the time to listen. You are totally awesome. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I have something really, really exciting to offer you. I've put all 12 of my trailer music courses into a bundle called the Ultimate Trailer Music Bundle. And I've put it on for a very, very special offer. Head on over to richardprin.com forward slash trailer music bundle to get your hands on this awesome deal.